A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 6 through 9. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be a hundred twenty years. The Nephilim were in the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men of, who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. And rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them. And the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. At the end of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth a dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So no one knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him any more. In the six hundred and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living creature that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and creeping things that creep on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, 
Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, you kill and you raise to life. You brought the flood upon a wicked and perverse generation, and yet you saved faithful Noah and his family in the ark. Keep us in safety in the ark of Christ's body, the church, that your mercy may come to its fullness and your salvation be preached to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What may I say? Heaven was here. 
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God comes to us from Genesis chapter 8. The Word of God comes to us from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the field. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So far our text. We talk about the flood in many different contexts. Usually we talk about the flood as a form of God's judgment. While the flood is God's judgment on sin, it is also a sign of God's love. Today, God shows his love in the flood by his victorious flood of love for you. God's victorious love overpowers everything that stands in its way. God's victorious love cannot be thwarted. God's victorious love shines even in the darkness of Lent. How can I say that Noah's flood is a sign of God's love? God clearly tells us, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, for I am sorry that I have made them. How can I say God flooded the world and destroyed almost all life on earth because he loves us? Because of one little word in the question. Almost. God destroyed all almost all life in the flood. He didn't destroy all life. Everything in the ark was saved. Although mankind had grieved God to his very heart, although God regretted making man, God's victorious flood of love overpowers sin. Noah found favor in God's sight. God's grace and mercy came upon this man who was the archetype for Isaiah's statement, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Noah was no different from his family around him. He was an unclean man. He was a sinner. But God set his favor on him. Why did God do that? Why does God favor some more than others? That is the question of the ages. Its relatives are also prevalent. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did God allow Jesus to suffer so? We sing this question. Why? What hath my Lord done? What makes this rage and spite? He made the lame to run. He gave the blind their sight. Jesus was God in the flesh. He came to save his people, but his people didn't want his salvation. He gave the victory of running to the lame. He gave the victory of sight to the blind, but people raged against him. People held him with great spite. They hated him, but he loved them. His love completely overpowers everything that stands in its way. Why is God's love so overpowering? Because it is, it is couched in his promise. 
as we sing, you strove with Satan and you won. Your faithfulness endured. Lend us your nerve, your skill and trust in God's eternal word. Jesus' love is based upon God's word. The same word we heard on Ash Wednesday when God created the heavens and the earth through his word alone. Jesus expresses this love for you as he battles the devil. The first Sunday in Lent is based upon Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. The three temptations that cover every temptation. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil's first temptation called upon Jesus to break the first commandment. Make this stone bread so that you can take care of yourself. Make yourself your first priority. But Jesus doesn't make himself a priority. Otherwise, he wouldn't have suffered and died. But he did suffer and die. He placed you before himself. He loved you so much, he suffered a gruesome death so that you might be saved. His death gives you faith in His Word. The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Your salvation comes because He died for you and God raised Him from the dead for you. The devil's second temptation is more of the same. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been given to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Again with the first commandment. Not self-idolatry this time, idolatry of power. Satan is the prince of this world, but his kingdom is really air, and a lot of hot air. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Satan wanted Jesus to worship him, for the almighty son of the creator God to worship the prince of the power of the air. When we think about this, it shows how absolutely foolish sin is. However, this airy prince puffs us up so that we act foolishly. But Jesus isn't foolish. Again, he responds to the devil with his own word. The devil wanted Jesus to take a shortcut. The devil promised to hand over everything if Jesus would just sell his soul. But Jesus' soul isn't for sale. Jesus' soul is the price for your soul. He laid down his life to ransom your soul and the souls of many who believe in him. After these two temptations were successful, the devil took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan took Jesus into the central most part of God's earthly kingdom, the temple in Jerusalem, the very height of the most holy place, the place where Satan could put on the greatest spectacle the world's ever seen, Jesus jumping off the topmost height of the most important building ever built. What a sight it would be if Jesus were to jump and land safely on the ground. Then everyone would flock to him. He would have the whole world at his fingertips, and he wouldn't have to die. But Jesus came to die. He came to shed his loving blood for the forgiveness of your sins. He didn't come to jump off buildings. He came to die on the cross to be your refuge. He came to overshadow you so that no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. Because he loves you, he gave himself for you. And nothing would stand in his way of fulfilling his victorious mission. 
Satan could not stand in Jesus' way. Satan could not thwart Jesus' plan. Even when it looked like he had won, Jesus came back to show even greater power. God's victorious love cannot be thwarted. Love built upon God's word cannot be thwarted. In baptism, God's victorious love was poured out on you. Love that brings you into a closer walk with Christ your Savior. How do you become closer? Through prayer. Jesus' life was consumed with prayer. Often Jesus went out to pray. He gave us the Lord's Prayer so that we might grow ever closer to Him. Before the devil tempted Him, He prayed for 40 days in the wilderness. Though parched and hungry, yet you prayed and fixed your mind above. So teach us to deny ourselves since we have known God's love. God's victorious love gives you the power to deny yourself. A strength of character you seek to cultivate throughout the season of Lent with self-denial, humble repentance, and prayer. Prayer for God's victorious love to rain down upon you. You who are unworthy of his love. My song is love unknown. My Savior's love to me. Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? Lent's song echoes in your heart as you strive to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. In your prayerful reflection, your humble repentance, you sing, Never was love, dear King, never was grief like thine. This is my friend, in whose sweet praise I all my days could gladly spend. You can spend every day in his praise because you have been brought into his covenant. A covenant which began with Adam. A covenant renewed after the flood with Noah. A covenant made specific with Abraham. A covenant fulfilled by Jesus Christ. This covenant causes your praise. Noah's covenant of the rainbow gives the promise that God will not destroy the world again through the waters of the flood. But he does not promise never to destroy the world. He promises deliverance of the faithful. Noah was faithful and he was delivered. You will be delivered if you remain faithful. But Satan cannot stand the faithful when they withstand his temptations. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Satan looks for an opportune time, but his time is limited. God's victorious love shines through the faithful so everyone can see God's great and amazing love. Love that imprints itself on your heart. God's victorious love shines with a clear inscription, Jesus crucified for me is my life, my hope's foundation, and my glory and salvation. Satan's opportune time is fleeting. He runs around like a chicken with its head cut off because he doesn't have enough time. You and I, by God's victorious love, have all time because we know that we will be with Christ in heaven for all eternity. So we suffer Satan's temptations for a time because we know that his time is limited. We will celebrate the final Easter as Jesus comes back to claim his own. God's victorious love shown as he blessed Noah and his sons to repopulate the earth. God's victorious love shines as he blesses each of us with the salvation he bestows upon us. Salvation given in the promise Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. God's victorious love shines so that you may know that you are saved, that you have nothing to be ashamed of with Christ as your Savior. There is no shame, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, with prayer. Lent is filled with prayer. Noah's life was filled with prayer. Jesus' life was filled with prayer. A life filled with prayer has no shame. A prayer warrior is powerful because he or she is filled with God's victorious flood of love. 
Love that flows over you as the waters flowed over the earth while Noah was in the ark. Love that cannot be thwarted. Love that cannot be overpowered. This is not the love shown by flowers, cards, and chocolate. Love that is fleeting. God's victorious love never ends. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace.